0: This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Beginning from chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. Their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy nor thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Rend our hearts, Lord, to look more like yours. Lord, We need you desperately to show up in this space. Lord, I need you. Come, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. So I've been wondering if I was going to say anything about Valentine's, and I just did. There you go. (laughs) Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is one of my favorite services in the church calendar. Uh, And I mean that for a couple of reasons. First, it's my favorite because of its uniqueness, its holiness, its different, its timing, it's moving us towards Lent. It's moving us in a new season, which we heard T talk about already. It's also my favorite because it forces me to do something. It forces me, it invites me uh, to become aware of, to be reflective towards, to be repentant of some things that I, that maybe we, are blind to. Now, I'll speak more for myself here. I need these reminders In the church calendar, I need to be reminded to slow down. I need to be reminded to take inventory. And I need the physical reminders on my forehead of the tangible, of the embodied reality pressed down outward and inward. The broken and the beautiful, the redeemed. Dust and ashes. Genesis 2-7 says this, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Something you're going to hear in this service over and over again, repeated, it is that you have been made from dust. Genesis 2, from the dirt of the ground you have been made, which is good and which is holy, yet very ordinary and very fragile. That's a beautiful and sobering reminder to see from the very beginning what our origins really were. Genesis 2 goes on to say that in the making of man from this dust that God breathed into his mouth with his breath of life. This is a very interesting phrase in the Hebrew as it both refers to actual life-giving breath, but it also refers to spirit. We, all humanity, are both body and spirit, given and uniquely found together, united, inseparable, a living being. God breathed into us. And in his breathing, he made us unique. He made us different from the animals. He made us different from the plants we know and see around us. We are uniquely human, uniquely good in his eyes. This was the thrust by the way of David's psalm in Psalm 8 when David was taking in all of creation and he was he was just awed by the majesty of everything that was, the beauty of creation, the beauty of the animals, the beauty of the plants. He was in awe. And then he comes to the hook right in the very middle of Psalm 8. This was the part that captured him. This was the part that shocked King David. He said, "What is mankind?" Oh, Lord, that you are mindful of him. Human beings that you would care for them. Crowning them with glory. Crowning them with honor. His crown jewel in creation. Created very good. Set apart. Man and woman. Humanity. Ash Wednesday... Ashes and dust. Ashes come from the death of something. As I was sitting and thinking about this evening, my mind wandered to the presence of ashes in Scripture. In the ancient Near East, there was a practice of sprinkling ashes on your head. Uh, We see that several times in the Scriptures. We see it from Tamar. That happens in 2 Samuel. We see it from Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. The people of Nineveh, we see that in Jonah 3. We also see this in Jeremiah 6, Job 2, Job 42, Ezekiel 27. And all of these instances in Scripture where you see them sprinkling ashes on their heads, they're all expressing a great grief and repentance. They're expressing humiliation and sadness. They're expressing a brokenness and a death. From a beautiful creation to ashes, things are not the way they should be. Those moments were turning points in their stories, a low point, an awareness of the brokenness that was either brought on by the world or brought on by themselves. This story is traced also back to the beginnings, but one chapter after the beauty of Genesis 2. Genesis 3 tells the story of when things went sideways, where we see sin and death enter the world, where we start to see brokenness and pain. We call that the fall where sin and shame came upon humanity with a vengeance. The world is not as it's supposed to be. Ash Wednesday is the day, though, where I look into my heart and I say, I am not who I am supposed to be. My heart is not what it is supposed to be. Where I, like Paul, uh, in his letter to the Romans chapter 7, I do things I don't want to do. I feel things I don't want to feel. I say things I don't want to say. It is not supposed to be this way. I am not supposed to be this way. I went for a walk this afternoon, and I found myself in front of the area. I believe that's how you say it. Never heard anybody say it, so I'm going to say that's how you say it. It's the sculpture that's across the street in the park. It's supposed to resemble a skein of tumbled ribbon. You still don't know what I'm talking about. It's the blue thing you're going to pass when you drive home. (laughs) It's interesting. It's fascinating. I've never stopped to look at it before today, if I were to be honest. But today, there was something about it that struck me, and it struck me differently. While I was looking at it, I read these words that were used to describe it. The word said that it was bent, that it was twisted, that it was formed into complex loops. It turns in on itself over and over again so that at every angle that I walked around it, it looked as if it was curving inward. Then my mind jumped to Augustine's definition of sin. Sin is the human curved in on itself. This was it for me. I'm looking at a tumbled ribbon knot that is curving in on itself from every single angle. Uh, That was not intended to be useful or beautiful, ornamental or even a bow. We're talking about a spleen of ribbon that's thrown into a pile. Uh, But there was a purpose and a use for that originally, right? There was a hope and a beauty for that originally, right? This, though, when I looked at this piece of art, I thought to myself, this is my heart. This is not the way it is supposed to be. The story of Genesis continues when God went to man after the fall and he pronounced both the consequences of the sin and the hope that was to come. He pointed to the ashes. Verse 19 says this, By the sweat of your brow you're going to eat the food and you will return to the ground. Since from it you were taken. Remember this line, you're going to hear it. From The dust you are and the dust you will return. But then he also pointed to the cross in Genesis 3.15. Redemption, the ashes we will wear today, indeed should remind us of our sin. They should remind us of our death, as he talked about. They should remind us of our brokenness. And still, they should point us to the hope and the beauty of redemption as it's not random sprinkling over our heads, but it is the symbol that we will make on our foreheads, the symbol of freedom, the symbol and the hope of salvation. It is the cross. From the beginning, we were created to worship the Lord with all of who we are, heart, soul, body, and strength. From the beginning, the greatest commandment was this, from our inside out, all of us, with sincerity, with generosity, with a full heart to love The Lord, our readings today, they point us to the way in which there could be wholeness in worship. Where in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this, holding out the reality of the cross and the finished work of the cross there for us. Christ reconciled his followers to the Father. Through his life, through his death and resurrection, it says this, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God God made a way where our heart was so turned in on itself. God made a way. Paul says that because of this reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, imploring the world on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God from ashes to the cross. We are called Christ's ambassadors. For those who, by faith, believe in his finished work, yes, he calls us ambassadors. He calls us his children. He calls us his sons, his daughters, his beloved. Yet we don't really know how to live loved, do we? And so he continues to remake us. He continues to reshape us. He continues to reform us. He continues to restore us. There are places we are still turned in on ourselves, knotted, stuck. Blind to our brokenness and still God in his process of making us into little Christs, as Lewis likes to put it, as we were always meant to be. Uh, The church then calls this the sanctification process. God is slowly transforming us. God is reconciling us from our old self to the new. For us to be right image bearers of God as we move into this world as ambassadors, as light. This is the hope we point to. This is the symbol we will wear that God is remaking us for himself, that he is making us into life and light. It's something God has been doing to his people for a long time. It's the wilderness before the promised land. It's the 40 days before the ministry of Christ. It's the wilderness in the sun-scorched land from Isaiah that we read that should be and sound familiar, where God strengthens our frame, where he will water us like a watered garden again, like a spring whose waters never fail. God is growing something in this holy people. Does this sound familiar? God is up to something in this garden. Jumping back to verse 8, it says, And your light, talking about us, it will break forth like a dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. How is that a compelling vision for an ambassador? Yes. God is doing something in us, doing something in his people, calling us ambassadors of Christ, light to a hurting world. Verse 6 says, the kind of fasting I have chosen for you people. This from Isaiah, it's to care for the poor, to care for the oppressed, the sick, the widows, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to care for the wanderer. It's to be about the work of Christ in this season, to be about what Christ would be about. We pray for, we move towards, we give towards, we sacrifice towards, we fast Towards, we hope, toward his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Dust, ashes, the cross. The somberness of this service and season and the tenor of our repentance, it stems from this cry of our hearts. Because we realize how far we are from that picture of the beautiful Christ. We desperately want to love the Lord God with all of our heart. We desperately want to love Him with all of our minds and strength, with all of our bodies. We want to see and love our neighbor as Christ sees and loves us. We want our giving to the poor to be sincere. We want our prayer to be intimate and without fanfare. We want our fasting to make space for love, joy, and the sustenance of the Spirit. We desperately want congruence this Lenten season from our insides out, our spirits to our action. We want change. We want healing. We want wholeness. We want our hearts to grow to look more like His. And so we start this season... And one of my favorite things, it's a call to repentance, it's a call to honesty, it's a call to reflection, and even more so, it's a call to surrender. We start the season surrendering, dust, ashes, and the cross. I want to finish by reading the end of 2 Corinthians from the message. People are watching us as we stay at our post, alert and unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed or mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with a pure heart, clear head, steady hand, in gentleness, holiness and honest love, when we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting things right, when we're praised. When we're blamed, when we're slandered, and when we're honored. True to our word, though distrusted. Ignored by the world, but recognized by God. Terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead. Beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriched by many. Having nothing, yet having it all. dust, ashes, the cross. We are aware of our mortality. Lord, help us love you. Give us a vision for how you want us to love our neighbor. Help us to learn how to live in this vision of the cross this Lenten season. Amen?